Welcome to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast with Jacob Ayers, providing actionable content to help you along your journey to financial freedom through real estate investing. As the premier asset class, real estate has helped ordinary people just like you amass fortunes. The benefits of passive income from real estate investing will allow you to live a life you want. And now your host, entrepreneur, real estate investor, and apartment deal syndicator, Jacob Ayers. Welcome to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast, episode 404. Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Jacob Ayers. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. I'm so glad you're here. Today's guest is Jordan Isham. Jordan is a co-founder of My Tennessee Home Solution. He's a United States Military Academy at West Point graduate, and he's currently serving as an infantry officer in the Army. Jordan is passionate about using the wealth generated from real estate to serve as a force for good in the world, fueled by his faith. Today, we talk about all things real estate investing, how Jordan got his start while working in the military, investing in real estate from his very first property to growing his business now. We dig into the mindset, the systems, the team building, and so much great more content. So today, I'm excited to welcome on the show, Jordan. Hey, Jordan, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, Jacob. How's it going? Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, thank you. It's our pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us today. Before we get started into you know, your background and journey, kind of tell us about where you come from, who you are, who is Jordan Isham? Yeah, totally. I grew up in a small town in Vermont. And it's funny because being in the military, whenever we do icebreakers or intros, everyone says, you know, oh, you're the first person I met from Vermont. It's definitely a small <laughs> state, farm state. But it was an awesome place to grow up. And the more I've left it, the more I've come to appreciate it. But I ended up enlisting in the army for a little bit and then went to University of Hawaii for a year before ending up at West Point, which was always my dream. It just it was a little bit of a longer road to get there. I had to try a couple of times and it was well worth it because coming from a small town of Vermont, and then being catapulted into just a community of high performers with all these, a plethora of opportunities to travel the world and you know meet with high impact and high performing people and just go to conferences and trips and just be surrounded by such a motivated group was really, really a catalyst for me and my growth journey. So that was awesome. And then from there, yeah, just like you said, branched infantry, went to ranger school, did the whole thing as an infantry officer. And now I am transitioning out of the army to take the real estate business full time. And, you know, really kind of knowing early on that I probably wasn't going to stay in the army long term, but to still make the most out of it, like enjoy the heck out of it and lead soldiers. It was a blast. And, you know, meanwhile, building the side hustle that was the real estate, just kind of like properties and then real estate business. And now like, yeah, now hopefully building to real estate empire, right? As I get out of yeah. and take it full time. So yeah, that's the quick synopsis. Well, you seem like a pretty intentional and disciplined guy, Jordan. Was it always like that when you were growing up? Did you know that this was the path you wanted to take is to grow up, go to West Point, join the military? Or was it, you know, were you just kind of maybe at that maybe 18, 20 year old self and didn't really know what to do next? What was that phase in your life like? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I honestly haven't talked about that like really in a long time or thought about it, but I was like, I was all over the place. I think in, in high school, I was a bit of like a class clown. I, I got decent grades, but was just distracted, fast thinking, fast pace, and wasn't great for school. So 
I had no idea what I was going to do. I did come from like, like we didn't have as much money. So I mean, I wasn't like college wasn't guaranteed and I knew I needed the scholarship. That's what initially attracted me to the military and then specifically West Point. So it wasn't until later in high school, I was like, wait, I got to go to college. I got to pay for it. And I got to figure out how that's all going to work. But real estate was never in the picture either until I was like a year into the army and looking at my like my goals and the vision for my life and just realizing, hey, in order to get there when I want to, I need to do more than just the army, mainly on a financial level. And, and for me, that's what real estate really has been is a, is a vehicle for building wealth so that I can do other things. Although I love building teams and working with people and getting results and closing the gap in the value of a real estate asset to you know appreciate that and earn it, it's more so a means to an end and in a vehicle for building wealth so that I can do other things in life. Now, how long have you been in the Army, Jordan? And then how long have you been involved in investing in real estate? Yeah. So I enlisted in the Army when I was 17. I'm now oh, 28. Wow. So it's been 11 years. But since commissioning from West Point, it's only been five years. And then real estate, I started really significantly in you know, 2019. So it's been three years. It's been, yeah, it's okay. been a fast journey in the last three years, but it's been awesome. So you mentioned, you know, the army is kind of a means to an end investing in real estate is that vehicle to get you to that next phase. You know, what kind of drew you to real estate investing as opposed to something else? You got started in 2019. So it could have been cryptocurrency. It could have been right. a number of other things. Any of these, you know, flashy objects kind of syndrome things that are thrown at us these days. What was it about real estate investing that drew you to it? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's funny because I don't know what about the book it is, but it's everybody's origin story, rich dad, poor dad, you know, what I yeah. was going to say. And so it really was, I mean, I was always entrepreneurial mindset. I was like, you know, a kid it's in summer, July 4th, I had a lemonade stand was hustling for a few dollars. And then when I was at my initial training in the army, I was making and selling like farmhouse kitchen tables from wood that I got at Lowe's and, nice. and hustling that way. Yeah. But then I started to like, I guess I had more time after graduating West Point. I talked to more mentors. I recognized the patterns. I saw that really like any person that was, you know, like successful or, or had an abundance of wealth, you know, the tie between all of them was real estate, at least in some capacity. So that warranted looking into more. And then the combination of me being able to read more and tackling books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and, you know, The Richest Man in Babylon, and, and a lot of the Think Rich, Grow Rich, like these mindset books had me thinking about, like, I guess, thinking bigger about my life and what I could do. And knowing again, hey, I'm stuck in the army for at least five years. I got to, figure out something I could do. It's either stocks, crypto, like you said, or basically like real estate. And so for me, real estate is just so much more surefire and like process and skills oriented where, you know, there's a gap between the owners, the current owners perceived value, and then your vision for that potential value, right? And then to close that gap through a proven process and enjoy the results, which is the profits like that, that to me was more... <laughs> like safer and just was completely dependent on how much work and effort I put into it. So it was something that I was willing to do. And whereas stocks and crypto to me was more speculative and higher risk and less guaranteed. I, I wanted to do something I knew that just relied on my like my sheer like work ethic, grit and dedication, not something that was like largely dependent on speculative market. Yeah, certainly. Jordan, when you started down this path of kind of personal development, it sounds like, you know, you started like many of the other people did, you know, you're working a W2 day job 
although it's a bit unique working in the military, you know, you're kind of, you know, looking for a means to an end, understanding like, hey, you're right now, you're trading your time for dollars. You stumble across Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, that book that is the aha moment for so many people. So you start down this kind of path of personal development. Was there ever anything that clicked in your mind or something that you thought, wow, this is it. This makes so much more sense to me. Maybe that being real estate investing or did you ever kind of have like a click or an aha moment in your journey that led you to where you're at? I think my prioritization of human capital, like my mindset, like once that clicked for me, how important that was. And like, I think to me, the rest was history as far as growth and growth in my journey. And so, yeah, early on, whether it was like just realizing what my confidence and mindset was allowing me to do and how I could take massive action in despite what everyone you know else was saying was super effective. And so I always had a performance coach. I was always reading books. I was always like big into my routine and how I was waking up, how much sleep I was getting. And I wasn't always like that. It wasn't until like I was a year out of West Point and done ranger school that I started to really like invest in myself and my mindset. And that's obviously the same time when I started to like take off in my journey for kind of like what I define as like living life on my terms and experiencing just the goals that I set for myself. So it was like a combination of a holistic investment myself and putting like kind of scary money into, again, performance coach, a counselor, like understanding how my childhood development shaped me into how I operate today, my relationship with my parents and like, and my siblings and how I developed and grew up, what narratives I had, what limiting beliefs I had, how to overcome them. And then what like my purpose on earth is here and how it all fits together into my long-term vision. Like that self-actualization journey for me was like what really served as a catalyst for me to take action because it all made sense after I had dug into myself. I like that you bring that up, Jordan, just this uh, whole whole idea of investing in yourself first and foremost, because so many people get started and think, hey, I want to invest in real estate. And as you know, there's so many ways to do that. You can fix and flip properties, buy and hold single families, you know, multifamily land, the list goes on and on, right? But you know, the very first thing I always tell people is take some time and invest in yourself, invest in your education. And today's day and age, it's so easy to go on Amazon and buy a pile of books for you know less than fifty yeah. bucks and get you know an associate's degree level of education in whatever it is you're looking for in just a matter of a few months. So I really like that idea of starting with yourself first and then building that foundation to grow from there. Yeah, yeah, it's like. You see everyone doing it, you know, the secrets to be a billionaire with a six pack are like already out there. They're on the internet. Like a million (laughs) people have done it. It's like, why are you not doing it? It's obviously not because you don't know the tactics. It's because you don't believe you can do it or you don't believe you have the resources or you just, your mindset is limiting you. And so that's where it's all really about mindset. Only I think like 20% of it's mechanics, probably the rest is mindset because everyone's doing it. Why aren't you? Well, close the gap and make it happen. Jordan, when I've heard you talk both during this interview and on other social media content pieces I've heard you speak around, you've talked about inspiring leadership through self-actualization. You mentioned that here. What exactly does that mean to you? Yeah. I mean, this is something that we do in our company as we hire and onboard what we call A players or just really high performers, highly talented people. It's just the self-actualization process is really like about alignment, right? It's about making sure that someone's like personality and goals are aligned with what they're doing, that it's energizing them and that they're on the trajectory towards where they want to be for their vision and purpose in life. And so that's self-actualization in a nutshell. Now we like we can enjoy more together as a team and a company 
on any level, if we are all like aligned with that journey that we're on and feel like it all makes sense. So uh, inspiring like leadership through self-actualization is really about that. It's about helping everyone that I work with, including myself, right? Because I want to lead myself first, but helping everyone that I work with just understand and, and not even that I tell them they need to tell me, but that it's all like clear to them what they're doing, what job they're in, why, how much money they need for their goals in life, where it's all leading and what their purpose is. That just creates so much more energy and momentum than someone who's like, I just need money. I don't really yeah. love this job or I don't really love what I'm doing. I just need to pay the bills. Like, so we reverse that and can get so much better results by digging into like our self-actualization journeys. That whole concept you just mentioned there, kind of to me, I would call that being intentional in one's life. And we've all been in that point in our lives where you're just kind of going through the motions and you don't know why you're doing what you're doing. You're just like, you know, not being very intentional. I see a lot of people doing that. It's like, uh, yeah. you just kind of do what other people are doing. And it's like, you know, you go to school, get a good job, get a, you know, you go to school, get a good education to get a good job. And then you just kind of coast. And that was like where my blueprint had taken to me at one point. And then I realized, Hey, there's more to life than just, you know, punching the clock and you know, working a pretty cool career, you know, a pretty well-paying career. But, you know, just if you can be intentional, understand that, you know, you can design any life you want, like you mentioned earlier. I think right. that's like, I don't know what you call it. Like most people's epiphany of, you know, being able to design and engineer a life they want. Yeah. There's a concept called mimetic desire, which another way to, to phrase it in more relatable terms is like you become the average of the five people, you know, you're closest to. And so mimetic desire is like you start to desire things just because the people around you desire them without even realizing it. And that's like what you're talking about too. With like, oh, I got to go to college now, got to get a corporate job, got to make this much and have my family bills paid for and get a golden retriever and a white picket <laughs> fence and take a picture at Christmas and send out the card, right? So it's yes. like that concept of mimetic desire that I think a lot of times we fall prey to is just going through the motions because that's what other people are doing or is seemingly desiring. And then we don't realize that we could have completely structured our life based on what made the most sense for us, not what other people were desiring. And I think once you can break through the kind of, again, mindset shift, it's like the kind of world is yours. Have you ever personally fallen into that? We'll call it mimetic desire. I think I pronounced that right. New term to me. But have you ever personally fell into that? And what'd you do to, you know, kind of snap out of it or realize like, hey, you know, become intentional and live life on your own terms? Yeah. I mean, honestly, maybe I'm biased in saying just you got to break it because I think I've been pretty good at it. Like, I know the first time was when I was like deciding whether to try to go to Ranger Regiment in the Army or stay in the conventional like unit basically Ranger Regiment's like a more a special operations unit. And so like when I started to see all my friends go to Ranger Regiment special operations community, or when they were at that point in their career, I was like, oh, like that's what I want to do. That's the high performing thing. Like that's what all the studs are doing. I got to do what they're doing. And so, but I didn't because I knew the path I was on was different. I knew I was getting out of the army and that would have kept me in longer. And I knew the goals I had didn't align with that decision. So it was super painful to watch them all do that and not do it. But again, one of those times where I was glad I didn't. And then the second one being really right now in my life where the safe thing to do is get out of the army and get, you know, $150,000 sales job and, you know, through the corporate like army transition program and like, and start the family now that you've done your five years after West Point and like, you know, and go from there. So now I'm going full-time entrepreneur, real estate and all that. But 
there's probably definitely been times where I've, I've like just done it because other people are doing it and then regretted it. But I think unique to my personality is I do like to stand out or kind of pave my own path, which has been nice. Not everyone's naturally like that. It's more forced. And so that just makes it harder. But I mean, there's pros and cons to everything. So me going my own way sometimes hasn't always worked. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Well, I always like kind of talking about the mindset piece, Jordan, and you do as well, I know. So it's kind of cool to dig into that. But I want to kind of progress through your story here and talk about, you know, what it actually is you do in the real estate investing world, how you got started, what your business looks like. So kind of take us through that, if you will. Yeah, totally. So it's really one of the like standard stories because I followed like the bigger pockets path Mm -hmm. of, you know, buying a house. I had the VA loan because I was in the army. So buy a house house hack it, rent it out to roommates, you know, save up money, cash flow, buy another house. And then at that point, I bought an Airbnb in Nashville with a buddy. We split it 50-50 and ran with that. And honestly, that actually didn't end up going well. But what was interesting was because I bought an Airbnb and was like joining the Facebook groups and listening to the podcast, now my identity started to shift, right? I was now a real estate investor. And although like, the investment wasn't successful. My identity shift was successful in that like I was a real estate investor and I was talking to other real estate investors and I was building momentum. So that's where I like, I, I like to tell beginners that story because it's like, hey, the first investment you make, at least the one that's this, the first scary one you do, it's like, it doesn't matter if it works or not. What matters is how your yeah. identity yeah. shifts and the momentum you're going to build from that. And so like, don't think of it as like, oh, I need to make like $10,000 or else I'm a failure. Because just by taking action, your identity is shifting without you realizing it. And you're now attracting that abundance of similar thinking and the real estate investing like lingo and action. That was effective. And then was able to do a flip, which was more successful than the Airbnb. Again, 50-50 with a buddy. We like split the profits. And then I started doing a couple of wholesales on my own. It was all like starting all DIY. Like I did everything myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I was cold calling, pulling lists. I was just trying to hustle. I was going to conferences on my free times, working on nights after the army and just doing everything I could, finding mentors. I found a mentor, provided value to him for free in exchange for learning. Like all the things that Bigger Pockets said to do, yeah. I just did them because I was like, hey, it's working for them. And that's for a reason. And I'll tell you, like it worked for me too. So now to the point where I was like, hey, this is work working. It's scalable, right? We can keep going with this. And turn it into a proven process that's repeatable and scalable. And that's when I partnered with my current business partners. And you know, we were able to be at a point now where we have a company, we have eight employees, an office in Nashville, and we do about eight to 10 deals a month. We spend you know, 70,000 a month on expenses, 25,000 of which each month are marketing expenses. And then we bring in anywhere from 150 to 200,000 a month in revenue and looking to continue to grow and franchise that. And so that's like our single family business is a flip and wholesale model. And we buy and hold some as well. But then we're also looking to expand in commercial real estate space as we build out our single family model and transition focus to commercial, commercial real estate by way of syndications and eventually likely raising a fund for uh, private equity real estate and being able to tackle you know, small hotels, apartments, and, and other commercial real estate like that. So we did, we've done one so far in the commercial space and it's been awesome. We bought a small hotel in Chattanooga. We raised a couple million and we're going to hope to get like a two to three times multiple and, you know, within three to four years of their investment and keep going from there. So 
again, it's one of those things like I remember a mentor telling me, I was like, I, I just don't know how to start commercial real estate. This is scary. Like we're going from a couple hundred thousand dollar houses to $2 million properties. And it's just way over my head. And he was like, listen, I've been doing this for a while. And I can tell you right now, like the best time to get started was yesterday because yeah. like, it's going to work. And obviously you got to follow the process and find a mentor and do it the right way. But like, it's worth it. Bang for buck on commercial real estate's much higher. And so, well, we have a single family business that kind of like, it's our cash flow business, right? It's consistent. We can count on it. It's not really the way to build wealth. And that's where commercial real estate comes in. Man, Jordan, listening to your story is uh, pretty exciting. And it escalated quickly going from, you know, <laughs> house hacking that first house to, you know, becoming a legitimate real estate investor through that Airbnb property. And now, right. you know, multi-million dollar commercial properties and, you know, doing the private equity and syndication stuff. So I'm sure that's in a relatively short amount of time, right? You said you got started investing in real estate in 2019. So not more than a few years to, you know, grow and scale to that point. Yeah. Yeah. 2019 was when I bought that house with a VA loan. You know, now here we are three years later and it's been awesome. You know, we have a, basically like a, a five to $10 million company and, you know, it cash flows a hundred thousand a month. And then the commercial real estate allows us to keep growing and go from there. So yeah. And again, like we've done it all. I mean, all of the guys I partnered with, there's two of them initially and they were West Point guys as well, but they were also in the army. So we did this all virtual and that required just super, super intensive systems of accountability because we're all in different states and different time zones we instantly knew like as soon as we could to hire someone on the ground who could write, help close deals and transact properties. And so like we would initially DIY it all, did it virtually, did it on the phone. Like it's all possible. It's just not as efficient. And then we would always reinvest our profits into growth of the company until we were more stabilized at a point where it was like less chaotic. So we didn't even need to debt finance really. It's just, you start with one flip, try a few, get one home run. And like our first flip, we were lucky. We had a six-figure profit just from the first flip. And we were like, well, we're going to take all this money, so $100,000 and just like invest it in this process we know works and hire employees and build this out. And then we would assign each of us like based on our roles, like very specific lead measures that we had to commit to each week that would then like, again, ideally as a business owner, result in the results we want. So we're taking a gamble that, hey, these inputs are going to lead to the outputs of profit and revenue and growth. And so we all have lead measures assigned to us even to this day. And at the end of the week, we go through our what we call our scoreboard and check our lead measures, see what we hit, what we didn't, why we didn't hit them, what happened that week. And again, that level of accountability just allows us to keep like the grind and hustle alive and in the spirit of being virtual and W2 jobs. So it's like, it's not even a side hustle because it's really like just another main hustle, but we have the systems in place. So it's possible. I want to get, touch on, you know, building a virtual team in just a second, but going back to your journey of, you know, getting started investing in real estate, it goes back to that scenario we talked about earlier, right? Everybody knows what you need to do to build six pack abs, go to the gym, yeah, yeah. do some crunches, right. eat less calories than you're taking in or burn more calories than you're taking in, right? Like, you know, the blueprints out there and the blueprint is out there for somebody to go from zero to where you're at now. And what you did was you took it step by step, right? You went out and did A and then B and then C. You probably would have had a difficult time just going from, you know, being in the military with zero real estate experience to buying a $2 million commercial property. But yeah. the fact that you took one, two, three, four steps over the course of several years, you got to that point where you had that momentum, you had that experience and capability 
And now you're, you know, just growing and scaling with that, carrying that momentum forward to, to future real estate investments. Yeah. And I, and I like that. Yeah, it's very, it's like very the, relatable. I, mean, I feel like growth is just so exponential and like the initial phases are so monotonous and there's a series of ups and downs and plateaus. And then all of a sudden, like once you've overcome that initial adversity, it just like takes off. So that's the period. That's the trick is to like figure out how to keep yourself afloat and motivated during that initial adversity when there's, you know, so much volatility and then to wait that out and push through ideally with a couple of like-minded accountability buddies who are alongside there with you. And, and then it takes off. It's all exponential. So it's like now, you know, we're just overwhelmed by opportunities. Whereas before we were fighting and crawling and scrapping for those much smaller opportunities. Yeah, definitely agree. Let's talk about how you've built your team, what that looks like. Are they all, you know, people who are boots on the ground in the US? Do you have any virtual assistants? What's your team kind of look like and how, how have you built the team strategically? It seems like, you know, being in the military, you're used to a very structured environment, very organized. Is that kind of the, some of the same philosophies you brought over in your business? Kind of talk about that, if you will. Yeah, definitely. So we kind of build our team based on the roles and we have like more investor relations roles and then more sales roles as we're acquiring properties. But we do have two VAs, we have three people on the ground, and then the rest are like managing finances and talking with investors remotely. So it's a little bit of everything. And it all kind of works together in a beautiful way based on just what's unique to us in our schedules and seasons of life. But I think the biggest thing that's been challenging is just like communicating those expectations and being that there's we're all in different phases of life, mostly all with W-2 jobs and then all like either in different states, some remote, some in person. It's just, there's a lot there that we now realize it's so important for us to like prioritize that like communication of expectations and understanding of where each other are coming from. So we do like monthly evaluations with each other where we're providing that two-way feedback and, you know, just seeing where everyone's at, how they're aligned and, and what's working well and not. On the virtual side, it's the same. We have lead measures assigned to everybody. So for the VAs, I mean, their inputs are just our remote inputs. So they can do, whether it's phone calls or emails or check-ins, they can do those from a computer. And then as long as they hit their lead measures on their each given week, like, you know, then they're following through. And, and so it's pretty easy to tell when you're like, when you're input focused, on like whether someone's, you know, performing or not. And then again, like as business leaders, we take the gamble on what inputs actually matter and need to be tracked. And so that's where we, I think, have hit the right spot where we know what inputs are going to lead to results. Now, if the person can't do those inputs and they need to go, we need to find somebody else. And, you know, we've had to rearrange the team a couple of times based on like inability to hit the lead measures. But I mean, as long as we're input focused, it's like, I think anything's possible, whether, you know, remote, virtual or whatever. I will say in order for a real estate company to grow, like you do need a couple of people on the ground, like that human relational experience is, is more effective. You can definitely make money just purely virtually, but not as much money as if you have people on the ground. Yeah, totally agree. You mentioned these lead measures, these KPIs. Talk about the systems you have in place to help you guys grow. What does that look like? What are you tracking exactly? And maybe just maybe some of the tools and things you're using in your business. Yeah, totally. So I guess just to start, like generally, this is going into kind of book recommendations, but we use the entrepreneurial operating system. So EOS and it's yeah, yeah. In the book Traction. And then that in combination with 
good to great, obviously, Jim Collins. So those three books combined are actually all summed up together and like wrapped into one system in a book called Building an Elite Organization. And so it's about tracking lead measures, KPIs. It's about when to meet, how to meet, what to talk about, weekly meetings. And so anyway, we built all of our company off those three books, kind of wrapped up in Building an Elite Organization, that book. So, And with that, we basically just to walk through a given week, we meet the three business partners who founded the company. We meet on Sundays and that's our like level 10 weekly pulse meeting where we go over finances, a little bit on deals, like mainly it's strategic though. And then we go over IDS, which is issues discuss and solve, which that's when we really hash out any big issues. Since we're virtual, like we can't text throughout the week about big issues because it's always misinterpreted, misunderstood. We got to talk about it face-to-face on Zoom at least. And so we save that for our, we call it, whenever there's something, an issue that comes up during the week, we're like, hey, let's push this to IDS, which means let's talk about it on Sunday, basically. And that kicks off our week, sets the tone, at least for the three of us. For And then on Monday night, we do our weekly scoreboard sync, which is the whole company. We're going over like, it's really like current operations. So we go over current deals. We go over the scoreboard, what lead measures were hit from the past week, where we fell short, what's upcoming this week, what the big priorities are. And then every day, our COO sends out like a daily loom video with his little face in the corner going over everyone's task for the day. That's a daily meeting. And then from there, we just have sometimes like marketing separate strategy calls, just scheduled one off. The CRMs we use are mainly follow-up boss being our big one. And then we communicate via Slack and obviously Zoom. But follow-up boss is cool because it's super people like for a business, it was originally meant for realtors, but it's really like people focused as in client customer focused Mm -hmm. because the inputs are not property addresses, they're people. And so it's kind of cool to reframe it. Like, hey, we're not trying to buy this property. We're trying to like buy from this person. It's a person with a story with like like that. that wants to sell their property. And so that reframing is, is super helpful, but also just you can do all your texts and calls are, are recorded instantly. So we can give feedback to our sales guys just because it's instantly in the CRM itself when they're doing their calls from their emails and texts and calls and all the people and addresses are all jumbled together and we can assign tasks and there's a schedule. So anyway, that's super helpful. And then the last thing is, again, just the emphasis on how we hold each other accountable via those lead measures and then, you know, obviously as a company, we have like a wildly important goal and that we're working towards and we have a vision statement, right? And values, but really it's about the lead measures and the scoreboard. That's like, I can't emphasize enough how focusing on inputs is just so much more effective than saying like, Hey, like sales agent, I need you to close five contracts this month. You know, like, what does that mean? Like, there's so many factors at play. Instead, it's like, Hey, I need you to, you know, go knock on these many doors. You can control that. Or I need you to respond to every lead that we get within five minutes because it's about the speed to the lead. Like, right. All these things that you can control are so much more worthwhile focusing on than focusing on holding people to results. Yeah. That kind of reminds me of this concept when it comes to goal setting, Jordan, I'm sure you're just as much of a goal setting junkie as I am, but for a long time, I'd write down these big, wild, audacious goals, these 10 X goals, like every day do the Grant Cardone method. I'm going to own a billion dollars of real estate in 20 years. And then I would do nothing towards progressing that goal. Right. So that's kind of like an outcome goal, like owning a billion dollars of real estate is a really cool goal, but it's just a point somewhere out in the future. It's not what you're doing today. So there's like an outcome goal versus a process goal. A process goal is like, I'm going to make 100 calls to uh, homeowners right. this week. And right. that's right. something you can do. 
And if you do that for two decades, maybe you you might own a billion dollars of real estate in 20 years. But yeah, so that was their kind of, yeah, I think like having both are super important because you need to be excited about like what the process is for. So you want to have that, like that results or like, you know, results focused goal. That's an outcome and be like, this is why we're doing it. This is going to be super awesome. But then also like, Hey, okay. Now what really matters where you want to spend about 99% of the time is actually like how it's going to happen. So, yeah. Yeah. And I know you've only been at this for several years, Jordan, and these systems are constantly evolving as they are in my business, right? Like I got started with, you know, none of these systems, none of these tools, none of these concepts or ideas. And even just this week, my, you know, businesses and systems and tools are evolving. Like I know you are. So people hearing this conversation, whether you're ahead of Jordan, ahead of me, behind us on the same page, like just know that this is a sliding scale. It's constant growth in everybody's own business and lives. So if you're looking at, you know, Jordan saying, hey, I'm just getting started and this guy's got it all figured out. And he's got all these tools and people and systems. Three years ago, he didn't. And right. three years from now, he's probably going to look back and think all those tools and systems and everything were trash. And he's at this point now, they're, they're no longer yeah. useful to him. So that's the idea, right? Yep. No, exactly. It's crazy. It's like, Anyone in life can look back on, you know, what they were doing or thinking three years ago. And it's like, whoa, that was so immature or outdated of me. And then you realize how far you've come. But that's just the nature of life and growth. And it's always exciting because, yeah, you got to adapt to keep going and growing. That's the name of the game. I love to think, and this helps me feel better about myself on a daily basis. But if you're not embarrassed about where you were one, three, five years ago, then you're not growing enough. Because I look back at, you know, Take this very first podcast, for example, just audio quality, terrible. I'm probably right. more awkward than I am on the mic currently. And you know, it's just like, I look back and I cringe. I can't even listen to them and I can't even like promote it because I'm just like, oh, I, I can't. But, you know, and then one day I'm probably going to look back on this conversation and think, right. gosh, I was a bonehead. You yeah. know? <laughs> so I love that though. Like if you can't be embarrassed, that's like a sign you haven't grown enough. That's so true. I love that. Yeah. Well, Jordan, you know, what's the future look like for you? What are your, some of your business goals, personal goals? You've obviously are very, I don't know, determined. You're very goal oriented. You know, you've been doing this real estate investing thing for several years now while holding down a W2 job, you know, working the nights and weekends, you know, burning the candle at both ends. Why are you doing that? And what's the future look like for you? Yeah. Yeah. Again, I think it just goes back to kind of the potential I see in myself coming from my mindset and like, self-actualization, knowing that there's so much I can do. A lot of it does take money, but beyond money, a lot of it you know, requires time. And that's really what I want to create for myself is that time and space for me to be able to live life on my terms, like have those hold my beer moments in life and really be able to focus on high impact efforts that are really not money focused, but more just like Jesus focused or God focused. And that's what I want to be doing. I mean, business is a great way for me. It's fun building teams, working with people, getting results, especially if everyone in that team is like also climbing towards their personal goals. Like there's nothing better. Everyone's just climbing together. And so the business space is always going to be, I guess, the place where I create monetary value in my life that allows me to have freedom of time and space to operate. And so like just learning, even on this like real estate business, I realized recently that I don't no longer consider myself a real estate investor, I consider myself like a business owner, entrepreneur, because I'm so far removed from like the nuances of the rehab or renovation or flip because I'm like managing people now. And so that concept and along with like just the ability to create a brand, market, generate leads, convert sales 
into profits, like that process, I think I want to be able to take and expand upon. So whether we go and franchise this model across the country, or whether we buy other small businesses around the country and basically like private equity, buy them and make them way better and sell them after five years. Like that's something that excites me. And then the commercial real estate space will always be another priority of mine as I kind of grow through life and being able to just tackle more doors and generate passive income through commercial real estate will, I know, generate the kind of like the family legacy wealth that I'll be excited about for my kids someday. So yeah, that's a lot, but just a combination of using the business world and real estate to create time and space, aka financial freedom, so I can like live the awesome life I envision for myself and enjoy it with my family and friends along the way. So that's what it's about. I love it. Well, Jordan, I've got no doubt that the future is going to be pretty bright and exciting for you. As we're starting to wrap up here, we end every one of our interviews with a lightning round, just a quick series of questions. Are you up for it? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. The first question is, what was your biggest hurdle getting started investing in real estate? And then what'd you do to overcome that? Uh, It was definitely capital money. Partnered with a buddy who had money and brought brought the hustle. I love it. Do you have a personal habit that contributes to your success? Yes, I have a lot. I would say the biggest one is generally investing in like my mindset. I would say performance coaching is probably one of the biggest ones, biggest habit. Who is your performance coach? Have you had the same one for a while? Do you work? Yeah. Yeah. It's a Tony Robbins coach and they have a bunch. And so we basically meet once a week for an hour every week for forever. So it's awesome. Awesome. Do you have an online resource you find valuable in your day-to-day? Ooh, I would say, actually, this is a unique one, maybe, but LinkedIn as a social media platform, just because like, to me, it's the best way to connect with people and find mentors and inspiration. And like, unlike maybe Facebook or cold emailing someone, I don't know why, but everyone responds to a LinkedIn message if it's like genuine, authentic, and not salesy. So LinkedIn's been an awesome one for us. I like it. You know, in the social media links you provided. I didn't notice like a Facebook or an Instagram, but I noticed LinkedIn. I searched your LinkedIn before this. So yeah, it works. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Jordan, what book would you recommend to listeners and why? I know we mentioned a few during the show, any of those or maybe something else. Yeah. I guess as far as if you are already an entrepreneur and running a business, just the systems are, you know, four disciplines of execution, traction, and good to great. I think to get started, it's more mindset focused. And that's where Rich Dad, Poor Dad and you know, think rich, grow rich, and atomic habits, those kind of books come in. So yeah, it I guess depends on the phase of life, but like, they're all awesome. I always like to go to the end of a podcast like yours, and just I'll just write down all the book recommendations. Right yeah. Now I'm reading like, I'm reading Shoe Dog, who is the founder of Nike, because I'm just like, really looking for a like business leader inspiration, someone I want to follow my life after. And so yeah, um, maybe, maybe it's him. I've heard that's a good book. Well, cool. Jordan, last question in the lightning round. If you're to go back and give advice to your 20-year-old self to get started investing in real estate, which you nearly did, what would you tell 20-year-old Jordan? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, again, I think it goes back to what my mentor told me about commercial real estate. It's just the best time to start was yesterday. Uh, Don't have hesitations, you know, or if you do, just overcome them and take action. But yeah, my biggest advice would be, you know, take action on your ideas. At a young age, it's like, especially with people, if you're not married, or especially if you don't have kids, the risk is so low, you can lose it all and start again. So if you're 20 years old, you got to, you know, freaking shoot for the moon because you have such the opportunity to just restart. 
there's no harm, no foul. So just take massive action as young as you can, honestly. I love it. Well, Jordan, where can people reach out to you, connect with you if they want to learn more about you personally or what you're doing in your business? Where's the best place to find you? Yeah, obviously LinkedIn is one of them. And then email is great too, jordan.aishomaoutlook.com. So either of those two work great. Awesome. Great. Well, thanks for sharing that. Jordan, as we're wrapping up here, is there any parting piece of advice that you'd like to leave with the audience members? Maybe something I should have asked that I didn't that you wanted to touch on? Mm. No, I really do think we went through most of it. I would say, again, just to emphasize the power of investing in yourself, in your mindset, and find a counselor to help you understand your childhood development and how that shapes who you are today. And then with that, a performance coach to help you develop in action your future like three-year vision and then 10-year target. Like I tell everyone like, you know, what is your purpose in life? If you don't know the answer to that, like you should probably figure that out because that's a big deal. Even if it changes, at least you should have a current purpose in life. And then secondly, like a three-year vivid vision in immense detail, just describe what your life looks like in three years because it's far enough away that it's, it's still possible to make it happen, but not so far that it's not realistic or it's not close enough to feel it and see it and sense it. So yeah. All that is just wrapped up into saying that the mindset's everything. I love it. Business builder, system scaler, entrepreneur extraordinaire, Jordan Isham. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. Awesome. Jacob, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much, Jordan. Till next time. All right. Bye. All right. That wraps up this week's episode with our guest, Jordan Isham. Hey, I hope you got so much value from today's conversation. I really find people like Jordan so inspiring how they can go from working a W-2 day job and being just that average person to growing and scaling something that will change their life for the better in the long term. Such an inspiring story. And I know so many of you out there have similar inspiring stories. So, hey, if you ever want to inquire about being on the podcast, the best place to do that is reach out to me. I'm a normal person just like you. I'm active on social media. You can find me most actively on Instagram or reach out through the website at www.jacobairs.com. Got some pretty exciting guests lined up, so stay tuned for that. Until next week, engineer the lifestyle you want. You've been listening to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast, providing you actionable content to build your real estate empire. Nothing on this show should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for personal advice. The opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have a potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom, LLC, exclusively.